Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hello, faithful podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Hey, we wanted to just give you this uh, quick announcement. First of all, I want to say how much we love you and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast on the Potter's House Church here in Virginia Beach. And just wanted to give you a heads up, we're making some changes to this podcast uh, that's going to benefit you and also our ministry here in the Potter's House Church. So just to inform you, we've switched our podcasting host. It's a service called Anchor, and that has allowed us to uh, receive and generate some income through the placement of a couple of advertisements during our podcast. So we just wanted to inform you of this change because going forward, you are going to hear one or two 30-second ads during each podcast uh, sermon. So um, as a result of that small inconvenience on your part, it means that our church can monetize these podcasts and also that means that we can receive some financial support so that we can continue the work of winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. So we just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing these messages. And thank you for your patience as we make this helpful change. We hope you have a great day. God bless. Story that... Uh Perhaps you're not familiar with this evening, but I, my prayer is that God would speak to us. How many know we didn't come to church just to fill up some extra time? We didn't come because our nice blue chairs are more comfy than our couches and our beds. We came tonight because we need to hear from God. I heard a story about a woman named Emily. Emily is a florist. And she makes incredibly gorgeous floral arrangements at the local supermarket. She's been working there at this supermarket as an hourly employee in the floral department for years. She has an incredible talent. She always takes her time to communicate with shoppers who are ordering custom arrangements. She is helpful. She's nice. She's knowledgeable and incredibly skillful. At one point in her life, Emily wanted to buy a storefront to open her own business, but it ended up falling through. Now she's in her 50s, but her ability to create masterful flower arrangements isn't slowing down. And the author of this article writes, Whenever I think of her, I shake my head. Not only could she dump the exhausting shifts, but she could make so much more money by working for herself. She has a clientele at the supermarket, and all she would have to do is share her new information. People would follow her, especially because she has a great reputation and has been there for years. 
She talks and talks and talks about starting her own business, but hasn't done anything to pursue it. And I don't, she says, I don't want to presume to know everything about her situation, but it's so sad and wasteful to me that she hasn't pursued something on her own. The author, as she thinks about this woman named Emily, expresses the pain that every pastor feels too. It's the pain of watching people waste their potential. And I believe it is only the tip of the iceberg of the agony that God must feel as he looks down at his creation and as he looks down at us in the church. People who spend our lives wasting the potential that God has given us. People that waste money on trinkets and fast food. People who waste precious time on video games and entertainment. People who waste, uh, parents who waste formative years with children arguing, bickering, and shouting instead of teaching, training, and equipping. Am I preaching to anybody here tonight? Is it possible that we waste the very opportunities that Christ has given us to live for Him as we get caught up in our own laziness, bitterness, wickedness, and selfishness. In the scripture we're going to read tonight, we find an example of someone who wastes his potential. And my prayer is that God would capture our hearts and our minds and that he would not allow us to waste the potential that he has in this place. There is so much potential here tonight. You have potential. Your family has potential for God. Your future, you could do great things for the kingdom. But at the end of our lives, is it going to be said of us the same thing that we said about Emily, that she hasn't done anything to pursue her potential? Let's pray together as we read this scripture. Second Kings chapter 10, as we read the story of a man named Jehu. Everybody say Jehu. The Jehu is the man who wasted his potential. Let's read together verse 25. Now it happened as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering. The Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, go in and kill them. Let no one come out. And they killed them with the edge of the sword. Then the guards and the officers threw them out and they and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. And they brought the sacred pillars out of the temple of Baal and burned them. And they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and made it a refuse dump to this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. I wish that that was the end of the story because that's great victory right there. That's great power, that's great promise, that's great works for the kingdom of God. But the verse 24 begins with this word, However, and that is a word of great disappointment. I want you to pay attention to what comes next. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, 
who had made Israel sin. That is, from the gold calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, because you've done well in doing what is right in my sight and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your son shall, shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Verse 31, another disappointing word is the word, but. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. For he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin. This is a message I've titled, The Heedless Hero. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus tonight. I thank you for the people of God. In this place, revive us, O God, that our hearts would be receptive to your word, God, and that we as a people, as a church, as individual believers, God, that we would seek to fulfill all of the potential that you've placed in front of us. And I'm praying tonight for the grace and mercy to preach this message that every ear that would hear it would be pricked and that, God, we would be motivated to do great things for your kingdom. We give you glory in Jesus' name. God's people would say, Amen. The heedless hero. Jehu is an incredible story. It's a, uh, it's a short story in the Word of God. And, uh, and for the first half of this chapter, it's an incredible story of a man fulfilling the will of God. He was a man who did some great deeds. He was called by God to be a deliverer. To be a hero for God. To be a man that did great exploits. Who executed judgments where there was evil. Aren't you glad when you see the bad guy get what's coming to him? So much of Hollywood stories is built on that premise of the bad guy getting what he deserves. Right? And if you read a few chapters before, we read about some bad and wicked people who did some bad and wicked things. King Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel, who led the people of Israel into wickedness and Baal worship and idol worship. And you know the stories of Ahab and Jezebel, what a wicked king and queen they were in the nation of Israel. And Jehu was the man who was called by God to make wickedness right again we thank god for people who do things like that perhaps the 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 second greatest american president is abraham lincoln the 16th president who was very instrumental in writing the wrong of slavery that has ex had existed in our nation right and we venerate him we honor him he's got the most awesome statue in washington because we say he was a hero who made wrong things right, who executed judgment and passed uh, amendments in order to, uh, to step forward the emancipation of slaver, slaves uh, in the United States of America. He was meant to be a deliverer. And in the same way, God raised up this man, Jehu, to be a reformer in the kingdom of Israel. He received this commission and immediately began doing great things as he followed God's commandment. He persevered. He excelled. God commanded him to cut off the house of Ahab 
and that was a very difficult thing to do because Ahab apparently had 70 offspring at this time. Had 70 households filled with people who were following in their father's footsteps. And now Jehu is called upon by God not just to uh, play cards with them, not just to speak out against them, but to kill them all. Much in the same way that God had called Saul. Saul, I want you to wipe out those wicked people, the Amalekites, those ones who offer their children for burnt sacrifices. God says, I cannot bear them any longer. You have to destroy them as a people. Saul was afraid. Saul saw an opportunity. And so while he did do some damage, he brought back the spoils. You remember the story. He brought back the sheep. He brought back the livestock. He even brought back King Agag the fag. And God had instructed him to do the same thing like Jehu is to wipe out all of them. But, but Saul did not obey. Unlike Saul, who spared Agag and the best of the livestock, Jehu was very successful in killing off those wicked offspring of Ahab. And we see that he has great potential as he destroys wickedness and burns the false pagan idols. Those first scriptures that we read tells us some of the great things that he did. He says that he, it says that he killed them with the edge of the sword, the guards. They brought the sacred pillars out of the temple, verse 26, and burned them. Verse 27, they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal. And so we see Jehu accomplishing some great things for the kingdom of God. Can we agree on that? Let's bring it home tonight. In the same way that God has commanded Jehu to do great things, I believe that there's some people here God has called you to do great things for the kingdom. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should go commit genocide against someone. But I am saying that there are callings that God has put in our lives to do great exploits for God. Our battle is a spiritual battle. How many know that tonight? We are not called to kill the sons of Ahab, but we are called to destroy the enemies of God in prayer. We are called to go in uh, and uh, we are called to uh, bring people out of darkness and into light, defeating the plans and the strategies of hell defeating the demon spirits that are against our culture and against our families. God's will for your life is nothing short of supernatural. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 tells us who we are. The challenge is that you would believe this. It says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Revelation 1.6, God has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Do you know who you are tonight? Do you know who God intends for you to be? 
kings and priests and holy nation, a special people called and set apart to do great things, not in the eyes of the world, but great things in the eyes of God. We read about Jehu that he was called to do great things and indeed accomplished some great things. Something so sad about Jehu is what I want to call your attention to tonight is that Jehu fell short of his calling. He went so far, but not far enough. He did a few things, but not everything. In verse 29, again, that sad word, however, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin, that is, from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And so we learn about Jehu here that he was thorough in his vengeance against the house of Ahab, but his commitment to the will of God was only half-hearted. That while he was a destroyer of Baal, he was not a servant of Jehovah. That while he broke idols on the left and on the right, he never took the time to build up the house of the Lord. He never decided to yield his mind reverently and obediently to worship the king of kings. He was not careful. The word that is used in verse 31, it says, Jehu took no heed. Everybody say the word heed. He took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord. You know what that word heed means? It means that he wasn't careful about doing God's word. It's a good thing that nobody does that today in 2019. Jesus spoke to the church in Sardis. We just went through this a few weeks ago. He said to the church in Sardis, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. I believe that this is happening in the church today. That though Jehu had done some good things and had been obedient in some capacity, still he fell short. However, he did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. Let me ask you tonight, what's your however? As Amanda mentioned tonight, one of the things that pastors are called upon to do in the conference is to stand up and give a report of all that God has done in our church. And to come up with an with, with a encouraging word for the rest of the conference body. And wouldn't it be horrible if I stood up there and said all the wonderful things that happened and then said, however. See, somewhere you've got to take a look at your however. I made it to church three times this week. However. I'm still bound in depression. I've done a few good things. I gave my tithe faithfully for two months. However, I'm still addicted to pornography. I gave someone a flyer at work. However, 
Do you see how the however can destroy your credibility and your power with God? Jehu had done some great things. However, he did not carefully walk in the law. That's what it says in verse 31. Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord. I began to study that word heed because it's interesting to me. The word in the original Hebrew is the word shamar, which, uh, which occurs in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Very important word, shamar. It's the word that God used to describe what the man was supposed to do in the garden. You remember the scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15? Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Same word, shamar. To take care of it, to watch over it, to pay attention. Listen, do you know what happens to a garden if you don't shamar it? It turns into a jungle. We arrived back in town last night after two weeks of not mowing our lawn. And do you know what our lawn became? A jungle. Because we did not shamar. We did not care for it for those two weeks. And so today, Taya had to get out there in wet grass and chop down the jungle. Can I tell you tonight that that is what so many of us look like in our spiritual lives. That there are areas of our hearts that if God has called us to be disciplined and to take care, to watch over, to keep watch. Jehu had done some amazing things. He had conquered some victories. But what he did not do, he did not shamar. He was careless. Everybody say the word careless. Say it again. I believe tonight carelessness is the greatest sin of the 21st century in America. Carelessness. It's the sin of, eh, no big deal. Some people have said that the opposite of love is hatred. But you've heard me say the opposite of love is not hate. It's carelessness. It's apathy. It's I don't care anymore. If your husband or your wife can look at you and say, I don't care. You've got a major problem in your marriage. If you can look at your children and say, I don't care anymore. You've got a major problem in your house, right? If you can look at other people in the church and say, I don't care about them. Then the church has a major problem, doesn't it? The major sin in the church of Jesus Christ in our time is the sin of Jehu. Because he did not shamar. He didn't carefully heed the will of God. It's a flippancy. It's a carelessness. Playing loose with the standards of the Lord Jesus. I read, uh, you know, George Barna comes out with these amazing statistics about the church of Jesus. And listen to uh, some recent statistics in our generation. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples of Jesus. 
According to data, 60% of Americans can't even name five out of ten commandments. Do we wonder then why people continually break the Ten Commandments all the time? Because they have no idea what they are. America is biblically illiterate. 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. Find it for me. 82% believe that. Those who identify themselves as born-again Christians did a little bit better. Only 1% better. A majority of adults think the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is taking care of your family. That is a very important thing, but it's not the most important thing. Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Graduating high school seniors... Over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. One poll said that they thought that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. The problem is not secular Americans. The problem is that this is infecting the church. Americans increasingly are living in a scripture-free public space. Americans, American Christians know less and less about the Bible and it's showing. That's the sin of Jehu. Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God with all his heart. Do you know what we do? We post an Instagram verse thinking that that is sufficient for us to understand the full counsel of God. We think that a social media post indicates that we are spiritual. That could not be further from the truth. And you know how it was revealed in Jehu's life? Look again at verse 31. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. This was a heart issue for Jehu. His lack of heed led to a lack of heart. And this is what I see every day in the church of Jesus Christ. The reason we don't heed is because we're serving God with half a heart. He was a half-hearted man. He was enamored by other shiny things more than he was the word and the will of God. Jehu, listen, he was, he was good at doing some things for God. He had found his skill. He was really good at slaying the enemy. He found something that he could do well and stuck with that. But at the same time, he did not heed other areas of his life. Can I remind you tonight that just because you've had a few successes in your Christian life doesn't mean that you're a successful Christian? doesn't mean that you're fulfilling your potential in the will of God. Just because you have a good track record of church attendance does not mean that you're doing all that you could do. Somehow the amens quit a few minutes ago. I'm not sure what happened. The danger of turning into Jehu 
is that on the outside, and according to people who watched his life, they said, oh, he's a hero. But the truth about Jehu was that he did not heed. He was still in love with the golden calves at Bethel and Dan. This tells us that there is the danger of being a compromised believer. It's the believer who can, on Sunday morning, lift their hands and sing a worship song, and on, by the time Monday rolls around, be right back embroiled in the same wickedness of the world. It's the people who can listen to Christian radio stations and then get cut off in traffic and their mouths and minds filled with all the wickedness of hell. It's the same people who can shake hands with other believers and say, praise God for the victory, brother. And turn around and shake hands with someone who's not living for God. Be enjoined. It's a mixed and a tarnished legacy of Jehu. And while we celebrate his victories, we cannot ignore that Jehu could have done so much better. Can I tell you that is the greatest tragedy of all of Jehu's life? How much could he have done? How much, how many more victories could he have won? How many more souls could you have won? How many more scriptures could you have memorized? How many more prayer meetings could you have met with God and found an answer to your problem? If we would not have been compromised. How many more would be sitting in seats next to us? If we weren't in love with the golden calves. The danger of the Jehu soul is is reflected in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. I want to read this from the message translation where it says, If we give up and turn our backs on all we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth we now know, we will repudiate Christ's sacrifice, and we are left on our own to face the judgment, and a mighty, fierce judgment it will be. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's son, spit on the sacrifice that made you whole, and insult this most gracious spirit? This is no light matter. God has warned us that he will hold us to account and make us pay. He was quite explicit. Vengeance is mine, and I won't overlook a thing. And, quote, God will judge his people. Nobody's getting by with anything, believe me. And so I want to close with this last thought and give you a glimmer of hope. Because Pastor Mitchell said I'm supposed to. I believe tonight that we can once again be careful Christians. Everybody say careful Christians. Can God challenge you to be careful about his will? Careful to do all that he has put in front of you? Careful to not miss one moment of God's will. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and say, oh, I wish I would have 
Oh, I wish I could have. Oh, I wish I did that. I wish I would have been more in love with the will of God than with my own. I don't want to look with regret. I want to be a careful Christian. I want to carefully listen to God's voice so that I can know what to do. I I want to carefully hear because when we stand before God, can I remind you, you're going to stand before the Lord one day. And you're going to give an account. You say, Pastor, I thought that was just for the sinners. Oh, no. There's a judgment for believers, too. It is not a judgment of whether we're going to heaven or hell. It is the judgment of did we successfully do God's will or not? How will you do on that day? I'm not going to stand in your place. I'm not going to give an account on your behalf. We are all going to give an account to our maker and our savior, the one who bled and died for you. The one who gave everything. Titus 3.8. This is a faithful saying. Those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. God revive our carefulness. The mistake of Jehu was that he did have some victories. But he wasn't careful about God's will. What about you tonight? There is great potential in your life. You have the potential of pulling down strongholds. Can I just remind you quickly as we close tonight that anything Jesus did, you can do? Did you think about that? Anything Jesus did, you can do. He healed the sick. He laid hands on the deaf and the blind. He cast out devils. He raised up disciples. He did great works for God. And we look at Jesus and we say, well, he's he's Jesus. But the truth is, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then you can do what he did. You don't have an excuse. Well, see, pastor, I'm not trained enough. I'm not available. I have to pay bills. Uh, you know, I've, and we can make our excuses, can't we? Why we're not careful. Why, like Jehu, we can point to a victory of the past and say, look. Look at how great, how how the accomplishments have stacked up. But as we examine our hearts, can we be careful tonight once again? Lord, I want to be careful to be obedient to your will. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you whisper to me when to witness, when to pray, when to be free from temptation, when to overcome our flesh. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. 
Until next time, love God and love people.